Our rookies came to life in Easter Round 5 as fantasy coaches rejoiced knowing that their cash cows will finally be able to generate some decent cash. Even if you are frustrated watching them rack up points from your bench, you have to see the positives here and understand that every other coach is in the same boat when it comes to the game of rookie roulette. The round of upsets was a reflection on our teams in some ways, with favourites GWS, West Coast and even the Bulldogs all going down. It didn't make things easy for some of our premium players, while some real pod players lit up the fantasy score sheet to post some impressive numbers and get coaches thinking outside the vanilla box. Don't sign out yet though, because we've got just over 24 hours before our first partial lockout for round six. The short turnaround means coaches will be cramming harder than a first year uni student when it comes to their trade research and the new DPPs. Hopefully I can help you out with your decisions over the next 40 minutes and nail some hot picks to help you climb those rankings. My name is Migs and this is the Easter Round 5 FanPod40.com AFL Fantasy Wrap. Okay, so we're going to start things off first of all with the FanPod40.com Team Wrap and we ended up with a score of 2,184 and that brought us up about 1,400 spots again and that leaves us on a ranking of 2,879 which was surprising because I was cracking the sooks after my captain Taranto scored just 84. Thought I was in a bit of trouble there as my ranking started to spiral out of control after the first few games. But then come uh, Sunday, started going down again. And uh, Monday, I thought most people would have the players that we ended up with, with uh, Warpool, Dangerfield, uh, Scrimshaw down back as well, and Kelly. But... Um, the rankings tumbled down from about 5,500 into uh, the top 3,000 there. So I was pretty happy with that. I thought I got away with it. Um, but yeah, it could have been a, a whole lot better, that score, and could have uh, also uh, broken the 2,200 there if I uh, went with my gut feeling and uh, picked the right captain. Uh, the trades that were made before last round, I had uh, I pulled the pin on Dersma and which turned out to be a good move in the end. I thought, you know, playing West Coast over there, even though they absolutely spanked him, but yeah, he, he didn't uh, didn't feature much in the game. He got a little bit in the second half, but um, yeah, was was uh, in and out of the game. He's a bit, bit patchy, as was uh, most of those Port Adelaide rookies that we've come to love over the first five rounds. So he ended up with a score of 50. Uh, so I got him out and I brought in Lockie Young, the um, the young backman from the Bulldogs there. And he ended up with a score of 57. So he, he was bargain basement price. That was a pretty good trade in the end, in uh, in hindsight. And I needed that uh, needed to generate that cash uh, last week to try and get Setterfield up to someone decent. And the best one at the time was Jackie Nunes. And he ended up with a, a 76, which was serviceable, I guess. But uh, I was also thinking about uh, Mia's there as well, who played... Uh, yesterday, but oh yeah, I wasn't too sure whether he was going to get picked in the end. He was named on an extended bench, so I was a bit worried about that. But at the end of the day, news has done all right, and he's gone up a little bit more in price, and he's still got an attainable break even there. I think he's ended up with a break even of 80, so 
didn't turn out all too bad. Uh, my plus three and minus threes for the team this week has to go to Jakey Lloyd again. The bloke hasn't gone under 120 so far. Pumped out another 135. Uh, look, I, I thought about putting him as captain, but I really did think somebody would go to him this week. No one's running with him so far, and look, he's just going to keep doing that until somebody does, I think, and, and plays a hard lockdown uh, forward tagging role on him there. Uh, Gibbons was my next plus three. He got me over the line in one of my head-to-head league games there, scoring a 93. He came in for Constable, who a lot of people had uh, Sydney stacked there as their um, as their emergency, but yeah, ended up going with Gibbons, and he did all right. He played a little bit further up the ground in that game and kicked his first goal as well, so he looked good on the weekend. And my last plus three goes to Zachy Williams, who was on the chopping block last week. He's come through. Look, he's, he's got that those two extremes. What did he score last week? A 53. Now he's he's pumped out his his first ton for the season with 101. So he's going to still continue to generate some good cash. I think he's got a, a 50-something break even. So for the moment, you keep him there again. Uh, my negative threes, or minus threes, I should say. Uh, the first one there, Libba. I thought he'd do a whole lot better. Uh, up against that midfield, look, I, I thought he was due for another another ton again, but yeah, 72 just didn't cut it this week, unfortunately. He did uh, play some stints up forward a lot more than usual, so I don't know whether they're resting him a bit or I'm not sure what they're trying to do there, but he needs to play in the guts because that's his best position. So hopefully he returns there for round six. Uh, Taranto, I had to put him in there because he let me down as, as uh, my captain against... Uh, a Frio side that they really should have absolutely pumped, but ended up getting pumped themselves. And, um, yeah, I wasn't too happy with that from him. I thought he was a sure thing for 110-plus minimum. Um, and my last one there has to go to Burgess as well. He finished on just 20 for Gold Coast, and he didn't even make his break even. So, yeah, he's definitely on the chopping block this week. My round two regrets, as I just said, holding Burgess, didn't make his break even with a 20. Then he went down. Um, yeah, I think his, his break even was 24 there. And the other one was, yeah, obviously captaining Taranto over Brad Crouch, which I had in the captain's seat for the whole week, but uh, made a last minute change for whatever reason to, to Taranto. So, yeah, I think Crouch ended up with 114, which would have been a lot nicer. Uh, the early trade thoughts for the team at the moment. Uh, at the moment, I'm thinking Burgess out just because he's not generating enough cash and there's a lot of uh, nice rookies coming up at the moment who've got some negative break-evens. And at the moment, I'm looking to DPP him with Stack, putting him to the back line now that he's got that dual position status, which we'll talk about a little bit more later in the podcast and trying to get uh, Hayes in from the Bulldogs. So that's going to be a popular trade in this week, I think. Uh, the other thoughts I was thinking about was Bolter, but he's got a break-even of nine, or possibly Willem Drew as well, who's got a 35 break-even now, possibly getting one of those two out down in the forward line and getting a new rookie in, uh, maybe in the midfield there, swapping them around with Gibbons as a DPP now that he is. And uh, potentially, I know I just got Nunes in. Look, this is way down the list of my trades, but Nunes or Warple out. They're going to get upgraded at some point, but Dusty with his new 
DPP status. That's a very short jump uh, to get to him now with those two. And he does play the lacklustre Melbourne Demons this week, uh, Dusty. So uh, I was just thinking as well, he might get the harms tag. So yeah, we'll have to look into that one. And the other one I was thinking about as well is Jackie Steele, potentially an out for Zachy Merritt, who's been in some real hot form at the moment. He's gone 140 and 120 in the last couple of rounds, so he's looking good. And Jack Steele, I'm just not sure about his role at the moment. He's he's copying that tagging role every now and then, and even though he plays both ways really well um, for the team sort of thing, fantasy-wise it's not the most productive, so I might have a look at him as well uh, if there's nothing else to do in terms of fixing up fixing up my rookies there. Okay, so on to the medical room now, and there wasn't too much carnage over the weekend, but there's probably a few names that'll pop up in a few teams here. First one is Brandon Parfitt. Look, he was out of the game by halftime. He had that quad injury and didn't look too good. It could be a, you know, three to four plus week type thing. We'll find out more about that tomorrow, obviously, but um, yeah, he'll be in a few teams at the moment. Still, obviously, a low ownership down there in the forward line, but uh, have a look for him. Wayne uh, Miller is the other big one there for Adelaide. He had that dislocated shoulder um, and he was in a sling by half time. So I think Piers Hanley got him um, in the shoulder there. So yeah, I'm, I'm thinking he's going to be out for a little while as well. Um, Phil Davis as a key position player had that uh, left ankle roll. That was in late in the fourth quarter there. Didn't come back on the ground. So he could be out for a week there, depending on the severity. Sam Pepper was off, but I think uh, that was his calf that was iced up there in the fourth quarter of that game, and that could be just a preventative measure type thing because they were in front of West Coast by a lot by that point in the game. So uh, I saw him having a bit of a laugh on the bench in the fourth quarter there, so it couldn't have been too bad. Uh, Harris Andrews is an interesting one. That could affect Witherden, his uh, left Quad there was iced up in the third quarter, so we'll see how he goes. It might, it might just be a, a bad corky that he got there, but if he's out, that could affect uh, the Witherden owners there. He might have to play a bit more accountable. Reese Matheson uh, did his hammy there in the fourth quarter, and he's going to be out for a little while as well. Look for one of the young fellas to come in uh, for the Lions there, potentially. Uh, James Aish was out of the game by half time as well. He had that concussion. He'll have to go through the concussion protocol tests, obviously. And look, if he can't play, Daniel Wells has been playing quite well in the twos the last couple of weeks, so he could be one that comes in for the pies. Um, a few sore players that we had were uh, Sydney Stack. He uh, got hit in the ribs there by uh, Ollie, Ollie Florent, sorry, there in uh, the first quarter, but uh, played on through the game, so he should be fine for this week. Zach Williams was another one who I was a bit worried about when it happened, but uh, he was seemed to be holding his sort of chest region there. I think he might have got hit in the sternum after a knock, but he played on and, and played quite well after that, so that was in the third quarter. Uh, Jordan Lewis, who came back, I think it was his first game, and he had a bit of a quad problem there in the fourth quarter. And Connor Rosie was the other one also who copped a heavy knock to the shin there from uh, Elliot Yo. That was early in the first quarter. He came off for a little while, but 
ended up coming back on again. So we'll see how much that's blown up. And look, um, yeah, he's he's right to he's right for the the trade at the moment to to trade him down. So he could even get rested uh, this round for Port with those uh, types of sore injuries. They wouldn't want to uh, to risk him too much. And uh, McAvoy was the other one. Now this happened in the fourth quarter of uh, Monday's game against Geelong and it looked to me to be a corked hip. We didn't hear too much because it was so late in the game and they didn't talk too much about it afterwards. So he'll probably go in for scans or something um, tomorrow or being Tuesday. And uh, yeah, we'll see We'll see the outcome of that. I know a lot of coaches are, are sweating on him because they've got him in over the last couple of weeks because he's been in great form. We're going to take a look at some break-evens now and the top low break-evens. And the first one I want to have a look at is Marty Hoare, who has come back into the Melbourne team and been an absolute superstar the last two weeks. He's got a negative 30 break-even, which I think is one of the, uh, sorry, not highest, lowest break-evens that we've had so far this season. His job security is really good at the moment because there is no Neville Jetta for the next 10 weeks potentially at Melbourne. Um, it was always a bit iffy there, his job security, because they did have quite a few uh, down back there. But yeah, blokes like Colin Jasney and Jetta are finding uh, ways to injure themselves at the moment. Stephen May shouldn't be too far away either. But um, yeah, his his spot is safe at the moment. And he's taking a lot a lot of uh, uncontested grabs. I think he took about 13 marks on the weekend and, and scored 99. So he hasn't quite turned up yet, but don't worry, it won't be too far off, hopefully. Um, <clears throat> Jackie Ross has a negative 10. He played well again for Richmond. He scored in the 60s there. Uh, Will Hayes, negative 5 for the Bulldogs and looked really good. Especially in the first half. He sort of tapered off in the second half there a little bit. But um, he is a definite must-grab this week, if named, which he should be. Uh, Sydney Stack, a negative 3 still. If you haven't got him, make sure you're getting him in now because he's got that dual position status as a defender. Uh, Baker from Richmond as well. There's a lot of these young fellas from uh, Richmond popping up at the moment. He's got a negative one break even. Again, his job security is okay, but don't forget, you still got Dan Butler uh, just around the corner. And, you know, if, if his form warrants it, um, Baker could be the one that misses out. Just depends. You know, obviously Bolt is always on the brink of being in and out at the moment, even though he played a lot better on the weekend. But yeah, I'm thinking it, it probably comes down to a structure thing with uh, Richmond, obviously, if they're playing a taller team, uh, you know, like they are Melbourne this week with with Proust and that in, then Bolter probably stays in um, if they if they've got selection issues there. So, but he should be right for the foreseeable future. Baker, uh, Petrocelli, five goals in a losing team. Um, nobody saw that coming, and if you put him on your field this week, good on you. He's got a negative one break even at the moment. And he's set to make us a lot more cash in the coming weeks. He's really good. And look, don't be afraid to put him on your field at the moment in that type of form. So, But at the same time, he can give you a 30 or 40. So maybe just have a look at his opponents um, before you before you start doing that. And look, we've got uh, blokes like Willem Drew. We've got uh, Gibbons now who can be four. We've got Petrocelli. So you can... You can rotate through all those guys, um, uh, Mears from, from Geelong as well. So you've got all those blokes that you can rotate. Just, you know, keep an eye on their fixtures and, and see how you go um, trying to get that forward six position there for a lot of teams. 
Uh, Gibbons has got a one break even now after a great game on the weekend. Bolter has got a nine break even. Lockie Young, a five break even. And Myers, um, or Mears, Myers, um, an 11 break even there. And the top five positive break evens. Now, these are blokes here that I was just having a look through and, you know, potentially they could drop a little bit more in price. However, some of them are guns and, or most of them are guns actually, and uh, they could uh, very well make these break evens. So, top of the ranks, McRae, uh, plus 143. You know, he, he could hit that any time, and he is due for a big one. He's been down, I guess, from his standards the last couple of weeks. Lockie Hunter was down on the weekend. He's also got a 143 break even. Trelaw, who I think's been in fine form actually. Um, Look, he, had, he went under 100 a couple of weeks ago, but he's great on the weekend. He's got a 139 break even. Boke, who was tagged out of it uh, by Hutchings over the weekend. So he got a 134. He's starting to get a little bit of attention now, which is interesting to note. And Dangerfield and Westhoff both have 132 break evens. Obviously, Dangerfield doesn't matter with that break even, but Westhoff, he is gradually making his way further and further down the forward line list and I think what a lot of coaches are thinking is that hopefully Charlie Dixon comes back sooner rather than later and Westhoff can get his uh, floating role where he goes between the back line the forward line and the midfield and yeah hopefully later in the season he can come good and we can pick him up at a nice cheap price if you want to take a look at any more of those break evens and break them down into their positional categories Take a look at the website, fanpod40.com, and um, we've got all those break-evens there at the moment in the AFL Fantasy Resources section. Okay, on to some news from the twos now, and there's a little bit to report here. The first one I want to look at is Brisbane, and Ryan Bastanak was one of their side's best. He had 29 disposals, 6 marks, 6 tackles, and 3 goals, so he had a huge game on the weekend. Uh, along with Tommy Cutler, who had 25 touches, Louis Taylor, 26, and Jacob Allison, 27. You would expect one of those four blokes to come in for Reese Matheson. Um, look, not particularly fantasy relevant. Maybe Tommy Cutler there, but the rest of them, not too fantasy relevant at all. Uh, for Carlton, uh, Hugh Goddard was apparently named best on ground as he played on uh, Ben Reid. So he's Still rookie listed for the Blues as well, but you know they might want to do a bit of a shake up down back there at the moment. Their back line is fairly solid, but there are a couple of their tools like Casbold who have been in and out of the team recently, so they might want to go with him if if his form keeps up. And remembering that he's a 170k defender as well, who a lot of teams were looking at at the start of the year. So just uh, keep an eye on his form uh, for Fremantle. One of the uh, hotly talked about rookie names and mature age rookies was uh, Brett Bewley. So he was playing in the VFL uh, in 2018 and he ended up with 29 disposals over the weekend and nine tackles. So if Frio, look, it was a winning formula on the weekend and it, it's going to be hard to break into that team. Um, obviously, they probably want to keep that sort of formula the same, but both him and Tom North as well also played really well on the weekend. And Tom North's been doing it for a little while now. This is probably his third game in a row where he's 
uh, top 20 touches. So he had 27 on the weekend also. Um, I'm hoping one of those two come in relatively soon. Um, I would like to downgrade to one of those two, hopefully. And Lockie Schultz, who was also, he was named as emergency this weekend. He had 27 touches and six tackles. So, look, there's a uh, lot of quality going on there in the seconds at Frio. And while they're winning, they're probably not going to get a gig unless there's an injury. But, um, yeah, hopefully they keep that form up. And when their time comes, we can downgrade to one of those blokes. In the midfield, uh, Geelong had Zach Tui uh, came back in for his first hit out of the season. He had just the 14 disposals, though. And, look, they're probably going to give him another week or two there before trying to bring him in, potentially. Um, my boy, Jack Trengove for Port Adelaide in the sample, again, had 37 touches. Um, I think he's averaging, they're saying, 40 touches now uh, for the season. So. Look, uh, potentially one of those port uh, rookies could get rested. So Jack might come in for one of those uh, four blokes, you might think. Um, there's no sign at the moment of Hamish Hartlett. He hasn't been talked about. I think he's still having some complications with his calf at the moment. But Jack Trengove seems to be the front runner um, if they are going to rest some of those rookies, I reckon. So he can play down back, but obviously want him to try and push through the midfield. He's a nice uh, selection down there in the back line. Like, he's that mid-pricer, but, yeah, as I've said in, in previous podcasts over the last couple of weeks, he can he can average 90, I believe. Uh, for the Saints, uh, in the ruck department there, Billy Longer came, has, or has played well the last couple of weeks um, after having that hamstring injury earlier in the season. He ended up with uh, 38 hitouts there. At the moment, Marshall's doing quite well still. However, he is getting bullied at times by the bigger Ruckman, so in the hit-out department, although he is working well around the ground and still getting his tackles, etc., they might uh, opt to try and get Longer in as a as a two-prong big man attack there. And the other one to keep an eye on was uh, Nick Hind as well, who was that mature-age rookie who's been going quite well also, and he ended up with 20 disposals on the weekend and played quite well. Uh, for the Swannies, a few people picked up, picked up uh, Blakey uh, as a rookie or bench option uh, recently. So he was omitted from uh, Sydney's side the week prior, but uh, he ended up with 22 touches, had six marks, and played most of the game through the midfield. So he could be uh, an option to bring back into the Sydney team as well. No doubt he'll be thereabouts. And lastly, uh, Brander for West Coast, who played in the in the round one side for the Eagles. He had 23 touches and kicked two goals. And just personally, I think he should be coming in for Chris Maston. If blokes like Bryce Gibbs get dropped for 28 disposal games, I think Chris Maston isn't doing enough for West Coast at the moment, um, disposals-wise or other, or any type of role that he's playing for West Coast at the moment. I think... Uh, Brander could be an in for West Coast this week, so keep an eye when the teams come out for that. We're going to go through now just some of the rookies, the holds and folds, and also take a look at some of the pods as well, which popped up from the weekend. And we'll start with the rookie holds at the moment. I'm going to go through a few here. Marty Hoare, hold, get him in if you don't have him, and start him on the ground. Uh, Jack Ross, 
you're going to hold him, probably put him on the bench, especially if you have Constable coming back this week for Geelong. So he's uh, just sitting there making some nice money with a negative 10 break even. Uh, Will Hayes, definitely try and get him in this week. A lot of people jumped on him last week at bargain basement price, 170K. But he's going to be a uh, hot play to get in at the moment. Uh, Sydney Stack, definitely a hold. And starting on your field in the back line, if you are uh, tossing around a, a rookie in that D5 or 6 position, I'm liking him this week against Melbourne especially. Uh, a couple of others there. Petrocelli's definitely a hold with his low break even. Uh, Callum Wilkie's still at a decent price there and can make you money for St Kilda in uh, in the back line. If you have no other options, I'd probably go for Lockie Young before him just because of the price difference. But look, Callum Wilkie's still got just a two break even. So he's going to be making you plenty of money. And he's a, he's a solid, you know, 50, 60, can push to that 70 mark type player. Um, as I just mentioned, Lockie Young, he looked good on the weekend. However, you know, there are a couple of Bulldogs players that uh, have some short-term injuries that could potentially be coming back. So, yeah, blokes like Suckling, um, that's basically the position that he took, I think, um, just looking at the team structures there. So, you know, if he's going to come back in, he could be borderline in or out of the team, which is a bit of a worry. So just uh, check the teams there. Uh, when they're named this week for him. If not, Wilkie's probably your next best option there down back. Um, Haitley for the Giants. Now, he's a bit of an inflated rookie price to start with, but he uh, played really well for an 84 on the weekend, and he's got just a five break even. So, look, if you're looking for something different, you might go for him, but you're still probably looking at Jack Ross um, and, and Hayes to get him before him just because they are a lot cheaper. But yeah, he he was a gun on the weekend, especially in a losing team as well. Uh, Constable still got that nine break even. Hopefully he's nice and refreshed and coming back. So you hold him for the moment. He's still going to make us a lot of cash. Um, Atkins played pretty well today uh, for the Cats. He's just got a 10 break even now and he's strung together some good games in the last two weeks as well. So yeah, he's probably a hold also at the moment. The ones I would fold and look to be trading out either this week or next week. Uh, Connor Rosie's got a 52 break even now. They're starting to look a bit tired, as I mentioned, those Port Adelaide rookies. Uh, Bailey Scott's got a 32 break even. And uh, in comparison to what he was doing in the JLT games and, and, and also the game that he was nominated as a rising star, he's sort of lost his role a bit um, for North Melbourne and obviously North Melbourne aren't playing that well and they've never been that uh, fantasy relevant as a team either so um, he's probably one to to get out also especially as a midfielder there to get um, someone like Hayes in if you still got him uh, sitting there on your bench. Dersma 55 break even now so I'd be looking to move him on and you could probably DPP him with a, a Sydney stack in the midfield to try and get and free up a whole heap of cash for someone like Hayes. Um, or, or Jack Ross. Clark's got a break even now of 50 as well, so he's another one to move on the back line. Butters, 44. Burgess, 35. And Will, even Willem Drew, 35 uh, also. So all those blokes there, um, sort of try and get them out within the next two or three weeks if possible. And look, if they, if they score well and their break even comes down again, obviously we're going to hold them. But... Um, there's too many 
uh, low break even rookies at the moment to miss out on. These guys have basically done their job. You're looking at, you know, five, six, maximum seven rounds with most of these rookies, unless they're exceptional rookies, you know, like a Sam Walsh or a, even Constable's in that bracket now as well. So who are scoring consistently and and, uh, and in Walsh's case, scoring tons. So um, those other guys, they've basically done their job <clears throat> and you want to yeah, move them on now. Um, <clears throat> looking at some of the players of difference, that uh, I had a look through the list here and who played well over the weekend. Uh, first one there is Zaki Mera. As I said before, he's gone 120, 143 on the weekend, and he was everywhere for Essendon, as were, as was Heffel and as was Shields as well. But he's still in just 4% of teams at the moment. So he's a great point of difference, and there'll be a few um, players trying to get, a few coaches trying to get him in this week. And he's got a 60 break even at the moment. So yeah, he's not going to stay that price for too long. He'll, uh, I think he's just over 700k at the moment. So, yeah, if you want him, try and get him in this week. Um, I, look, I think he's a great option if, you know, if he's not tagged, basically. So, yeah, look look for the taggers. But, yeah, he's he's still he's still a one 105 minimum average for the year, I think, in my mind. So, um, Henderson for the Hawks has been... Unreal this year. I think that's I think that's his fifth ton in a row, basically. Um, and he had a big one, 141. So we haven't really seen a ceiling like that from from Ricky Henderson in the past. But he's in just one percent of teams. And look, he's obviously picking up the workload for um, the lack of Hawks uh, experienced midfielders in there at the moment. So while that's still happening, he could be a great point of difference uh, for your team. Probably not going to finish, obviously, um, in the top dozen or so midfielders at the end of the year. But for the moment, probably still a good choice. Uh, Taverner is an interesting one down the forward line for Frio. He was plucking marks from everywhere on the weekend against against the Giants. He, and, and he ended up with a score of 128. So um, I'll put him down as one of the best you know, overhead contested marks in the game at the moment. Um, and at, at 1% ownership, he's a real unique a, a real unique pick. So it's hard to pick a key position player in a team like Frio, who you know are going to be up and down all season because they're so young. But yeah, five rounds in and he's got an average of, of 99. So yeah, he's getting the job done. Um, Dylan Shield, 127. He looks a lot happier at Essendon at the moment. And look, um, from going, going from, av- from an average, I think he had about 88 at GWS in his last year there. Uh, he's now averaging 102, so um, he could be, you know, one of those breakout players who end up averaging, you know, 12, 15 points uh, more on their previous year. So he's in just 3% of teams as well at the moment. Great pod. Uh, Fiorini, oh, I missed out on him. I had him I had him in the team all pre-season there, along with Taranto next to him, but I decided to pick just one of them. Uh, went with Tirano, which is okay, but yeah, Fiorini, 126 on the weekend, and he's still in just 1% of teams. I think the most off-putting thing for coaches there is that, obviously, playing for Gold Coast, um, yeah, you never know what's going to happen with them, whether they're going to get pumped one week, but, you know, they they did lose quite convincingly on the weekend, and he still scored that, so not a lot of teams are going to be tagging players from Gold Coast anyway, um, 
But yeah, expect expect him to get a bit more attention, I think, over the coming month if he keeps that type of form up. Um, and Hevel is the last one I wanted to quickly touch on. So he's also just in 1% of teams at the moment. He scored 123 on the weekend. Basically, if Merritt and Hevel aren't getting tagged, Hevel becomes a poor man's uh, Zach Merritt. So Merritt most of the time is going to score more than Hevel on any given day if they're both not getting tagged sort of thing. And obviously Merritt's always going to get tagged before Hevel for whatever reason. Uh, probably because he's a bit more explosive, I guess. But um, yeah, he's he's flying under the radar, Heffel, and he's looking like having that 100-plus average season again. So he's looking good. And look, all uh, six of those blokes that I just touched on there, they're not just, you know, flash-in-the-pan type players either. They're all averaging over 100 at the moment, and they're all uh, under 5% ownership, except for Tabiner, who's averaging 99, but close enough. Um, so, yeah, if you want a good pod and potentially uh, have that point of difference to climb up the rankings, yeah, you could definitely take a look at one of those six blokes. Okay, so we're going to take a look at some captain options this week. And first of all, I'll go through the last round's captains. And it's a bit of a bit of sweet uh, captain selection from last week in that did all the research and found that Brad Crouch was going to be a great option against Gold Coast, as were probably all the Adelaide midfielders at the end of the day. However, as I mentioned before, took the uh, C off him and went Taranto just because I was having a look at Frio, having a look at the scores that they've given up in the past, etc. 100 plus scores, uh, points against and that type of thing. I thought Taranto was more of a sure thing. Uh, and we all know how that turned out. However, uh, last round, in uh, first position, I had Dangerfield, who turned up with 104. He just scraped over the line there. Uh, Brad Crouch, 114, was my second option. McRae at number three, uh, turned up as well. Uh, Trelaw, 112, was in fourth uh, spot there. And fifth spot was Caniglio on 126. So uh, I was happy there. Five from five, which is always great, but... Yeah, obviously, I've just got to try and back my research in a little bit better. Um, the percentage of coaches um, who uh, chose captains in round five, uh, in fifth position there, there was 6.4% who went with Lockie Whitfield, who was okay. He wasn't his most damaging, but he got the job done for coaches there. Dangerfield was in fourth spot with 7.9% selection as captain. Again, did okay, but wasn't exceptional. Uh, Cripps was the big one there, 12.8% there. Um, he was unreal. And if you have him in your midfield, lucky you, um, because I can't see myself getting him while he keeps going up in price at the moment. Grundy, number two, would have hurt a lot of coaches, 13.8% to be exact, um, as he went... 78, I think, was his score. I think he went under 80 or aroundabouts there. And McRae, again, was the top uh, chosen captain from round five there with 21.6%. So, yeah, I think uh, a lot of coaches sort of missed out on points there. It wasn't a very high-scoring round. There wasn't, uh, wasn't anyone who went over 150, actually. So, um, so, yeah, and this round I'm looking at... 
first of all, uh, in fifth position. I'm going for a safe bet here in uh, Jack McRae at 105 average against Frio. And he's got an 87 average at Optus Oval, which isn't flush, but uh, that 105 average there against Frio. Look, you saw what Caniglio and Kelly did um, in a loss. Both turned up quite uh, reasonably well there. So he's a pretty safe captain option, I would say, um, over there in the West. Uh, Sloan is in fourth spot for me. He's got a 108 average against St Kilda and an 88 average at Marvel Stadium where they're playing there. Look, he's in hot form at the moment. He's only gone under 100 once for the season so far. But the only worry I have there is obviously the Jack Steele tag. Um, look, if you've got other options, you might, yeah, err to the side of caution there. I don't think either of the Crouch brothers get tagged. If one of them does, I would dare say uh, Brad at the moment. I think he's playing the better footy than his brother and is uh, slightly more damaging. Um, however, has traditionally gone to Sloan. So we'll just maybe keep an eye out there, uh, have a look at the match previews in that case. Uh, Trelaw is in number three position for me. Look, he bounced back really well um, last round, and he's got a 108 average in the Anzac Day clash against Essendon and 107 average still at the MCG there. So, look, it's Trelaw. He loves the big stage. Um, yeah, I'd be pretty surprised if he went under 100 um, in that game. Uh, number two, Paddy Cripps. Um, now, the interesting thing here with Paddy Cripps is he's only got a 96 average against Hawthorne. So I like to I like to look at blokes that have at least 100 average against the team that they're playing. Uh, and he's got a 98 average down in Tassie there. But the thing we've noticed at the moment, the Hawks are giving up the most points in the midfield. So out of the competition there, Hawks mids, they're leaking a heap of points. We saw um, the game Monday against Geelong, Danger, Gage, uh, Gage and Selwood all uh, tunned up. So look, I think, um, again, he's safe. And I wouldn't be surprised if he, he went 120 plus again. So um, yeah, if I had him in my team, he'd probably be my lock for captain this uh, this week. And my number one is Lockie Neal, uh, 115 average against Gold Coast and 116.5 at Metricon. So um, the mids have been uh, beating up on Gold Coast for the first five rounds. The only little worry I'm seeing there potentially is a Took Miller tag. He hasn't really tagged the last couple of weeks, Took. He's sort of been doing his own thing and he's been playing really well from a fantasy perspective over the last couple of rounds, and he's averaging over 100 now, actually. So, But um, that's probably the only real worry I'd have there. But, yeah, if you have Lockie Neal in your team at the moment, I'd be expecting him to bounce back hard this week and um, get one of those, hopefully, those real high-ceiling games that he can do. Okay, and before we wrap things up, I want to talk about the new dual-position players, or DPPs, as we call them who have just been released prior to round six by those at AFL Fantasy. And when the list came out, I had a look over it, and there's always, you know, half a dozen players who are who are really fantasy relevant, and then you scroll through the rest and you think, oh, yeah, not going to bother with them at all. So I've, uh, I've narrowed it down to uh, six players here who are 
probably going to play a part at some point uh, in our teams for a lot of us. But uh, two blokes who aren't premium players in Sydney Stack and Gibbons, I think, are probably the two most important out of the lot there, out of all the premiums that were named as well. So Sydney Stack's got a, a defensive status now, and Gibbons has a forward status now as well. So uh, as a fantasy coach, this is going to open up huge opportunity and a chance to get some of those gun rookie mids in, like uh, Jack Ross, like Will Hayes, who's just popped up as well, who we were probably umming and ahhing a bit about um, trying to get in prior to this happening because, you know, Gibbons and Stack, obviously their break-evens probably weren't high enough uh, to justify trading them out. They were still low enough and making us cash, but these other guys were coming through and they probably had better job security and and uh, were making a heap more cash and, uh, you know, seeing them get away always hurts. But now we've got the chance to, you know, move Gibbons forward, move Stack down back. And the other thing as well, which it allows us to do is uh, move Dersma and Rosie. So you can get Rosie out, you know, move Gibbons down forward and do a massive downgrade there and pocket a whole heap of cash and ditto for, for Dersma as well in the back line. There's going to be a few coaches out there who have got both of those guys who are going to be doing double downgrades this week through the midfield and moving those two guys around and they're going to be cashed up, ready to go for the following round. <clears throat> Um, and look, and they're going to have that much cash. They're going to be making uh, double upgrades the, the week after, I think, uh, with those two blokes. So that's a real bonus for coaches, both Stack and Gibbons, with those DPP statuses. Um, a few premiums or potential premiums that I want to touch on as well. Obviously, Dustin Martin's now got his forward status, which is, I suppose... Quite tempting for coaches, you know, just putting him down there in your forward line and seeing his name down there um, is enough to scare most opposition coaches away. But at the moment, he's, he hasn't been doing a lot. We, we all know about his, his issues that he's had in the first five rounds uh, with the suspension and, you know, his role was up in the air and uh, he didn't lay a tackle in the first three rounds, I think it was. So, yeah, he wasn't in the best form, but he's got a 79 average at the moment which puts him in 31st position as a forward um, in regards to, to averages. He had 110 last round, though, so he just reminded us about what he can do, and, you know, that sort of score in your forward line is, is obviously going to be a premium score at the moment, um, with our forwards being, you know, a bit haphazard in terms of their scoring a lot of the, a lot of the weeks. But he's still in 13% of the teams, so I wouldn't call him a pod, obviously got a break even of 92 at the moment so if you're umming and ahhing about him and maybe you know thinking about holding off on getting him you probably could do I don't think his price is going to change too much um, especially he, he's got Melbourne this week but he's got a pretty awesome um, fixture coming up over the next month so he's got Melbourne this week Western Bulldogs then he's got Frio and Hawthorne over the next month so he could cop the harms tag as I mentioned earlier, against Melbourne this week, which would be no good. And that'll probably keep his uh, price to about where it is at the moment. But then after that, Bulldogs, Freo and Hawks haven't been tagging all year. So he could pump out some decent scores there uh, against those three teams. He's priced at 597k. I wouldn't expect him to get too much lower than that. 
uh, definitely. I mean, this is Dustin Martin under 600k. So, um, yeah, he's a he's a he's a small jump from a Warple and a small jump from a Nunes and these types of mid prices that we've had. Um, but I, you know, he's he's a nice name to have down in your forward line, but it, it might be worth just holding off. Uh, for a week and and seeing how he goes and see if he can back up that 110 he had. Uh, the next one I want to talk about is uh, Brett Ebert from Port Adelaide. Now he's got forward status and he's been playing quite a, quite a bit forward this year. Um, now he's averaging 101 at the moment, which puts him in fourth position as an averaging forward there. And he had a 95 last round against West Coast in what was, I guess, Quite an easy win for Port at the end of the day. And he does traditionally play well against his old team in West Coast. Um, he's in 1% of teams, which makes him a great pod with a break-even of 102. So again, I probably wouldn't expect his price to be moving around too much um, against North Melbourne this week. So we all know about you know North Melbourne being down. And he, no doubt that he'll go 90-plus this week, in my mind. Um but at 684k, I think you're paying paying a bit overs for him. So he's had a great, you know, first five rounds. His price has just kept going up and up and up each week. Uh, look, the thing with Ebert is I've had him previously in previous seasons as as a as a midfielder, and he always has this slump around the middle of the season. So it goes for about four to six weeks usually. So. I'm not. I'm not saying it's going to happen again. Definitely, but it has happened twice to me in the past, and he has done this before. So around the buy rounds, it generally happens. Um, but look, I mean, as, as a forward, you might be able to get away with it. You know, I had him as midfielder a few years ago, and he did that. Uh, he's got Collingwood after North Melbourne, and then he's got Adelaide and Gold Coast. So he's got a pretty nice fixture over the next month, I would dare say. So. I wouldn't expect his his average to uh, fluctuate too much uh, from that 100, 101 that he's got at the moment. Uh, Ablett is the next one I want to talk about. Uh, he's got that forward status, and we've probably seen this coming since the pre-season when Brad Scott was talking about him playing forward and most of the footy world was talking about him playing forward. So this has been a long time coming, but he's averaging 89 at the moment, which ranks him in 13th spot as a forward. Um, and he's coming off 110 last round. So just reminded that that was his first ton for the season as well, and just reminded us what he can do. But he needed to kick a few goals to to get to that 110. So he's obviously not going to get the possessions he has as Gary Ablett in the past. Um, but you know he is going to have those rounds where he uh, scores 100 plus, and you know he's always involved. He's always in the game. So um, he's. Currently 659k, probably again paying overs for for him. I'd probably want to pick him up closer to 620, 600 somewhere around there. If he, you know, he has a bad game maybe, and and you can pick him up a bit of a cheaper price. At the moment, he's in just one percent of teams, so he he still makes a great pod. I thought he would have been in more teams than that, just based on the fact that he's Gary Ablett. But um, obviously, there's a few more savvy coaches out there than there are fans so um he still makes a great pod and break even of 100 at the moment you know he's probably not going to go too far in terms of price um over the next couple of weeks he's got west coast coming up 
this round. But then he's got Essendon, North Melbourne and Western Bulldogs. So he's got a nice fixture after West Coast. West Coast, traditionally, you know, that back six, uh, they they are a great back six and they do lock down players quite well. So um, you'd probably expect him to line up on someone like a Tommy Cole or maybe not Brad Shepard, but yeah, someone like that who's just going to try and lock him down, especially after his game um, this week. So, uh, But after that, you know, it, um, you'd expect uh, Geelong to quite easily win those those next three games. And um, yeah, he won't, he won't be too far off that average again, I'd say. By season's end, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he averaged in the mid-90s by, by the end of the season. Um, and my last one I want to talk about, um, Harry Cunningham, which I think is probably one of the better pods out there at the moment now that he's got defender status. So he's a defender mid now. He's currently averaging 96, which puts him in eighth uh, position there down back. And oh, I took out I took out Guthrie because that was his first game on the weekend, and I think he scored like a 98. So um, technically no, but. Uh, yes, I took out Guthrie in that case. So that puts uh, Harry in eighth position there in the in the defender line, which is awesome um, for someone who was a mid only and um, he spiked up a heap this year. And it is basically because he is playing um, a floating role there and he's pushing up uh, similar to what Lloyd's doing as well. And he's taking a lot of um, both uncontested marks, but he's also a great tackler. So he's sort of he's shaken that um, that tagger role that he's had previously. Uh, just keep in mind that his his role can change from week to week, I guess, uh, for Sydney. But he has been consistent so far over the first five rounds with his scoring. He's scored over a hundred the last two rounds. Last round was one hundred and twenty, so that was a great ceiling. He's shown us that um, in one percent of teams at the moment. As I said, awesome uh, pod there and a break even of 50. So I would expect his price to go up by a fair bit um, next round. They've got GWS coming up this week, which will be a tough game. But then they've got Brisbane, Essen and North Melbourne after that. So I expect his scoring to stay around the 90 average mark, I would dare say. And he's at 614k at the moment. So he's still at a nice price. Won't be long until he's 650 plus, though, I would dare say. So, yeah, if you've got nothing else much to do in your team, I guess, and you're looking for a player who is, because, you know, let's face it, unless it's Whitfield, Lloyd, Rory Laird, um, you know, you've got those three who stand above everybody else, and then you've got your next tier, you've got your, you know, Tommy Stewart, Shepard, Hearn, uh, Salem, these types of blokes, you're probably putting starting to put Cunningham into that group now at the moment as well. So um, while everybody else is picking up those other guys, he'd, he'd make a great point of difference. So I like him. Um, and I think, yeah, by season's end, he's at least going to average somewhere between 90 to 95, I dare say. And that's a wrap for round five. It's been a huge week already, guys, and we're only halfway through the 10-day footy frenzy that is the Easter Anzac rounds. On top of the short turnover, there's so much to think about before round six, like our DPPs, partial lockouts, and loophole captains. 
So I just wanted to give you a quick breakdown of how round six will be unfolding. On uh, Wednesday, we've got partial lockout number one. Now that's the Tigers and D's game, and that happens at 7.35 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time. Then on Thursday, we've got partial lockout number two, and that's for the Dons versus Pies game. Uh, that's at 3.20 p.m., again, Eastern Standard Time. And then we've got the full lockout on Friday. So that's at 7.50 p.m., Australian Eastern Standard Time. Um, so just keep an eye out for those times. Make sure you've got your loophole captains in place as well if you're going to play that game. Um, and also, obviously, you're thinking about, uh, or if you're thinking about trading in any of those players from those other four teams uh, with a partial lockout, make sure you get it done nice and, nice and early. Uh, some other exciting news is that we have updated the AFL Fantasy Resources section on our website, which now includes a heap of statistical information in an easy-to-read graph format for coaches. This info gets updated as soon as lockout opens up again at the conclusion of each round. You can check out player value rankings, break-evens, rookie stats, uh, player averages, predicted price increases, and team fantasy points to help guide you up through the rankings. Uh, head over to our site at fanpod40.com and have a gander. And also remember, if you have any fantasy-related questions before next round, you can hit us up on Twitter with the handle at fanpod40, and we'll be able to answer those questions on the next episode of the podcast. Also happy to bounce any fantasy ideas and plans with coaches as well if you need a second opinion prior to lockout. Thanks again, coaches, and all the best for round six. Remember to breathe. And I'll catch you next Monday in the usual time slot.